Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 188 of The Informed Catholic. So welcome, everyone. And, uh, you know, welcome to the post-election period. Um, It's kind of like a nightmare. I know a lot of us are discouraged. A lot of us, I know I was discouraged. I was horrified by what I saw But at the same time, I was prepared. I knew that it was not going to go easy. I knew that Trump wasn't going to just, it wasn't going to be like the repeat of 2016. The repeat of 2016 was the nightmare for the Democrats. They could not believe it. I remember the images of people screaming no, uh, remember the images of people on election night were crying. They were in shock. Um, he won. Nobody, not, not, nobody believed it. Even the people on the right, the people who supported him, did not believe it. Now we're going to try to understand exactly what happened, what's happening now. Um, but I want to, you know, uh, first remind you the last episode. I did of the informed Catholic. It was an article, uh, an essay article um, that LifeSite News presented, and it was basically how the Democratic Party became the most anti-Christian, anti-Catholic, anti-life party that it wound up being today. And of course, it traced it this back to John F. Kennedy. You know, when John F. Kennedy was finding himself opposed by some, um, by Southern ministers, by Southern, by evangelical Protestants, by Protestant Christians. He wasn't just Southern. I would say an anti-Catholicism, an anti-Catholicism in America, a culture of anti-Catholicism. He basically went up, stood in front of a, a, a podium in front of a microphone And he basically just threw his Catholicism under the bus. Just threw it under the bus. Uh, Of course, that was a shocker. I mean, to maybe to a lot of Catholics. But it wasn't really because, of course, his, um, the bishops were, I'm sure, were uncomfortable. Many bishops were uncomfortable. Others, um knew what he was doing uh, because there was a lot of, there was a culture of Catholics. There was a culture of Catholics in the United States. The bishops included a lot of lay Catholics as well. And probably already a lot of, a lot of those who were uh, secretly socialists want, they wanted him to do it. They wanted him to do it in order to, to, to get American Catholicism accepted. It was basically the, uh, maybe he didn't think he was doing it, or maybe he, maybe he didn't know what he was doing. And of course, a lot of, there were some bishops who knew exactly what he was doing and they wanted him to do it because they wanted Catholicism to become part of the, the, the elite, the elite and uh, to be accepted as part of the political elite. And that's exactly what happened. He, you know, in order to be accepted by the political elite, 
he had to throw Jesus Christ under the bus. And, you know, basically he was handing his hand, his, putting his hand out for 30 pieces of silver. And that's, that's when it all began. Now, on the other hand, the Democrats were already infiltrated by Marxism, socialism, communism. It was already happening. And, uh, you know, I, if you read uh, Paul Kanker, the one who wrote The Devil and Karl Marx, just look up The Devil and Karl Marx, and then you can look up another book by the same author, Paul Kanker, uh, Dupes. Dupes basically is referring to those people, Americans, who were hoodwinked, lied, tricked by the communists and socialists in this country. Um, people like FDR. FDR uh, did not really understand communism and socialism. He didn't know there were Americans uh, already who were accepted it. They already infiltrated American culture through the Democrats. And they were already uh, slowly working their way chipping away at, at American Catholicism. Uh, there was a lot of uh, unions and a lot of um, Irish Catholics who were uh, union workers, union, union men. And there was a lot of, and of course, what forced a lot of people to go into the unions even more was the 1929 stock market crash when the country found itself in the depression. All right. And the working man, uh, many of them Catholics, many of them, you know, were Catholic men with families desperately needed to make sure that they had a job and that they could feed their wife and kids. I myself belong to a union. All right. Unions are great because they protect you. And they ensure your secure. They, they they ensure that you have you know you have some protection. They're wonderful for that. Problem is is that all unions have a close relationship with the Democrats. It's easy. The Democrat part, the Democratic Party, will always have the union on its side. And the problem is is that union. This is this is the thing. The Democrats have pocketed them very easily. And the Republicans have neglected them to their own detriment, to their own detriment. You know, just it's just it's just easy. And now with Trump, he has made the Republican Party into the working class party. What happened was through the years from the 1960s onward, slowly. The Democratic Party was destroying itself. Slowly it was destroying itself and it was destroying itself because slowly it was becoming, as it was chipping away, it was slowly making its home in the colleges and the universities. Uh, basically, it was becoming the party of the intellectual elite while still holding on uh, with with the um, the unions. Unfortunately, as we got closer and closer to, to the 70s and 80s, jobs, you see, one of the things you got to remember 
is the socialist part of the, of, of, uh, of the Democratic Party, which was close to, cl- still holding close relationship with the Kremlin, with holding still a close, close relationship with the, um, the Kremlin party, the, the, you know, the Cold War was still going on. The, part, the, the jobs were being shipped out slowly for cheap labor, slave labor, to other countries. Asia, South America. And the union jobs were slowly, the factory jobs were slowly being taken away. Now, you would think that the, the, the Democrats would do everything they can to want to keep those union jobs here, right? No. No, that's, that's not it. While the other half of the part, while the other uh, side, the Republican side, was slowly becoming the party of uh, the, um, the businessman elite, let's say, the businessman elite, instead of the party that held on to American values, uh, patriotism, love of country, freedom of religion, constitutional values, freedom of speech, all those things were there. But all those things were being used to exploit in order to keep power. They were not being used, uh, in a sense, as as a promise. They were slogans. They became empty slogans that sadly, um, you know, we're not, you know, we're not really, we're not doing much. Like we're not doing much for what you call the the red part of America, the part of America that did not trust big government, the part of America that lived in the rural areas family values, all those things that you think, um, you know, at least would, would, would mean something, uh, for the corporate, for the corporate man where, you know, they were easy slogans to, to stay in power. They just were slogans and that's the problem. And that is what happened. But, you know, slowly through the years, then you had the so-called rhino Republican, uh, the Rhino Republican knew exactly what the other half wanted, and the, and and they worked together. You know, you, you know, you allow me to make money, and I'll use these empty slogans to win these conservatives over. Conservative values, technically, that protected family, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom to bear arms—all those things that meant a lot to the you know, to a lot of people and should mean a lot to a lot of people, even to people who live in the cities, you know, uh, you know, patriotic people. But that was the problem. The average American didn't know who was on their side. You know, you run over to the other side, okay, maybe you'll, you'll, ha- you'll be guaranteed to have a job. But there are no factories with jobs. Slowly, the automobile factories were slowly shutting down and they were going off to... Somewhere where there's la- where the labor, the slave labor was cheap, and slowly people were finding themselves wondering who is on who is on their side. That was the problem. Well, eventually, we went through the '80s, we went through the '90s, and we saw how things were changing. We went through the the Bush era, the Clinton era, and the the uh, the second Bush era. You remember what happened in 2000 with Gore and Bush? I don't know if you remember Gore. Gore was vice president to Bill Clinton. And then George W. Bush came along. And then there was that, that, that incident back in Florida 
with a hanging chad who won the election. Eventually, uh, it had to appeal to the Constitution because the Constitution has it spelled out completely how an election is to be taken. The problem was after the 2000, after the 2000 incident and Gore had to give up in December, it went out for a couple of weeks, so be prepared. This could go out for a while. You see, the Constitution makes it quite clear how elections are to be taken and who is to handle the elections. Not the Congress. The Congress may present laws but it has to go through the House, the Senate, which is why the Republicans have to hold on to the Senate, because if the Democrats take hold of it, we're in big trouble. Okay? This is why people have to pay attention to elections. Elections do have consequences, and who wins the elections has a bigger consequence. Which party? Okay? They desperately have been trying to take hold of the Senate for a long time, the Democrats. Now, the lucky thing is, it goes every two years. That's why you have to appeal to the Constitution. The Democrats have been rewriting the laws on elections on a state level, using very liberal judges. And judges are not supposed to write laws. That is for the legislator. Everything is spelled out in the Constitution, how laws and how you know, who, who applies those laws in the Constitution. The Democrats have been very much anti-Constitution. According to Mark Levin, they basically have developed the Marxist attitude of overloading the system. Overloading the system means just filling it up till it breaks down. Once it breaks down, all right, what you do is you just simply keep overloading it. All right, more and more elections, votes are being cast earlier and earlier and earlier. And then you count them slowly and later and later and later. When the system breaks down completely, who do you blame? You blame uh, your opponent. You blame someone like Donald Trump. You blame the conservatives, right? And then you say every vote has to be count. Every legal vote will find which legal vote. You chipped away on signature matching. You, sh you chipped away on the postmark. You, you chipped away on the ID, on voter ID, right? Because you say, and you say it's, it's prejudice, it's racist. You're attacking uh, people who are minorities, who don't have IDs. Everybody has an ID. If they want to get their, if they want to get their welfare, if they want to get their food stamp card, if they want to get their social security, you got to have an ID, right? You have to prove who you are. So if you chip away on postmarks, if this person lives at this address, if this person IDs, if this person been here, did you know that people who haven't lived in the United States 30 years, what they refer to as expatriates, can still vote by, make, by referencing their last address that they haven't been on for 30 years. The person hasn't lived in the United States for 30 years 
They still hold on to their citizenship and can simply make, uh, cast their ballot by appealing to their last address, which they don't no longer legally live there. I didn't know that. So you see how you chip away at a system, at the security of your of, of the election, so that you can undermine it, over flood it, you know, basically cast doubt on it. That's how you destroy a system. That's how you destroy uh, uh, the, the, the the integrity of a country. I just thought maybe you guys should know this. I've been listening to this. I've been reading it up. I've been looking at, looking it up. It's very easy to look up. This is how they want to do it. And and don't I wouldn't be surprised if there were out, outside forces. Now look who's on the side of Mr. Joe Biden. You got big tech corporations. Google. Facebook. Twitter, Microsoft, all the big tech companies, and not to mention, don't don't forget, certain people within Wall Street. They're all on his side. They're all on his side. And these are all the organizations that most of them handle uh, social media, dealing with free speech, dealing with, uh, you know, Obviously, uh, communication, all these particular, and they all blocked out. They all censored the um, the election. Didn't let anybody communicate what was happening, like what you know, what was the election? What was going on? How many people were voting in Arizona? How many people were voting in Michigan? They all blocked it out. Didn't want anybody to communicate with each other until finally. What happened? Well, I don't know what happened with Fox News, but of course we did find out what happened. The head of the Fox News media, uh, their big chief, is a Democrat. He voted for Hillary Clinton back in 2016. CNN, and suddenly Fox News, CNN, suddenly you couldn't tell the difference between the two. And suddenly before you know it, they were calling in votes states that haven't even called themselves in. And then there was a blackout between 4 to 6 a.m. If you listen to uh, like Church Militant uh, and Dr. Steve Turley and Mark Levin, between 4 to 6 a.m., something happened. If you look at the graph, it was going for Donald Trump. And then suddenly between 4 to 6 a.m. For, uh, for Joe Biden, Joe Biden's graph was dropping naturally. And suddenly there was a spike. There's something. There was something going on within within that within that time, and poll watchers weren't allowed in. Um, boxes were brought in. Poll watchers weren't allowed to observe. You're supposed to have five people at a table watching the counting of ballots. They were keeping the 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 the, the, the Donald Trump people more than six feet away, practically a hundred feet away. Social distancing. Perfect time this, this this pandemic came, didn't it? It that's what I'm saying to you. It came at a perfect time to undermine the integrity of an election. 
Well, that's all I wanted to tell you on that one. Now we're going to go into an article. All right, so let's be prepared for this article and you'll maybe you'll, you'll understand what's going on. So I didn't mean to make it a very long introduction, but um, I had to put it out because, um, you know, I, I really thought about it a lot, you know, how I'm going to communicate this to you guys. And I know some of you are feeling down and shocked, but don't be shocked. I mean, none of us should have thought it was going to be easy. Remember, it wasn't going to be easy. Look at what he went through. He went through right from the beginning when he came down that, that, that escalator. People laughed. They laughed. They were insult. They were laughed. They thought it was a joke. And then when he turned out to be the running, uh, the, 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 the champion for the Republican side, they laughed. This guy, this playboy, this uh, New York uh, celebrity real estate guy with the big golden hair who's had so many mistresses. That's one of the things I have to say at my workplace. I have to keep quiet. They hate it. They, they, they hate the guy. They don't even know why they hate the guy. Right? They talk about how many mistresses and how much adultery he's he's, he's committed. Well, how many adultery? How many adulterous act do you think Bill? I'm um, sorry, not just Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton, most definitely, but John F. Kennedy committed. John F. Kennedy, the first Catholic, was known to be quite a playboy. All right, and his family was also not exactly a spotless lamb. The Kennedys were. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't saints. Okay, John F. Kennedy to this day still has connections with Marilyn Monroe. And there's even worse. Some people even think maybe they have connections with Marilyn Monroe's death. I don't know. It's been a long time. People can still study that. But the fact is, they talk. They they talk about virtue when it benefits them. All right, and they talk about morality when it benefits them. Okay, but when the time comes when they have their champion in there, all right, they'll defend their champion. All right, but they can't have an explanation because Bill Clinton, we know, remember the Monica Lewinsky thing, the scandal, the blue dress, all that, all that crass, disgusting stuff. Well, you know, they they don't argue about it. They know they know it's true. But it's funny how they have to throw morality and 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 sainthood uh, or saintly acts and behaviors when suddenly there's a guy in the White House that doesn't have a history. I mean, we all know leaders leadership doesn't always have to have a good checkered, a good perfect history. But the man was never a politician all those years. He was practically a you know a millionaire uh, celebrity. You know, I didn't take him seriously all those years, and I didn't think he was going to win. I thought it was hilarious that he won 2016. But I didn't think he was going to be completely uh, a change, a change person, his, his approach. But it's interesting. I was standing outside the other, yesterday on Saturday when 1130, suddenly everybody on Fifth Avenue was honking their horn, cheering. 
right? And then they were all cheering. Everybody was giving a hooray. They were jumping up and down. I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe there was some kind of Central Park race. And then suddenly before you know it, boom, I saw a couple of people running around with an American flag. These were Democrats, by the way. Democrats, a couple of weeks ago, months ago, not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, Black Lives Matter in Antibia, they were burning the American flag. They were burning the American flag. You know, literally. And now all of a sudden you're seeing these same people running around with an American flag, cheering. Now, I, what happens when the Supreme Court, because remember, the Supreme, it's, this is going to go to the Supreme Court. When the Supreme Court finally looks into this whole thing, looks at all the irregularities, looks at all the things that don't make sense and all that stuff, what happens if it doesn't go their way, it goes his way? And I'm using the word if because anything is possible at this point. They're going to start burning those American flags. They're going to start smashing those windows, those, those, those business windows. They're going to start screaming bloody murder. Now, I want you to remember yesterday when they called in Pennsylvania, the, the media called in Pennsylvania. The media called in Pennsylvania. This was not done properly. A judge has already asked that all the ballots to be uh, isolated, uh, quarantined. And then, you know, it, it. remember, you have to count the ballots that were there for the day. They're supposed to be there by a certain time on a certain date. And already they were talking about computers that were not properly counting ballots that were supposed to be for Trump went to Joe Biden. Okay, now what happens if it doesn't go their way? All that cheering is going to is going to turn to a large moaning, a large wail, a large cry, a large bewilderment. Okay, they're going to get very angry, and, the, and, and there was no Trump people smashing windows yesterday at a protest. There were no Trump people burning flags. There was none of that. No violence on the Trump side. So I want you to remember very clearly who the violence will come from. You will see it. They didn't accept the 2016. They went from uh, Stormy Daniels to we're going to impeach him. Right away, we're going to impeach this man to, um, you know... <laughs> Every every little thing they came out with the with the Russia they came out with uh, the spying the Obamagate how many of them how many of you of you remember Obamagate when Obama did spy on the Trump campaign all right right from the beginning how many people do even you remember the the um the whole thing from Russia 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 Ukraine 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 to uh, impeach him, impeach him, impeach him, to finally he didn't do the coronavirus correctly. All those things. How many people do you remember? Do you remember all that? 
all that, every little attack they've given to him, and now they're throwing this one. Well, like I said in the last podcast, I honestly believe that this last stage of it is going to change the Republican Party forever. Now notice what's going to happen. All, everybody, everybody from the rhino Republican side have distanced themselves from, from him. They have distanced themselves from Donald Trump. They've abandoned him. They've all decided to abandon the man. And they did. They abandoned the man completely. They're turning their backs on him. Because now there are many Republicans that want him out. They don't want they, they, they don't want the guy. They want to go back to usual corrupt politics as usual. He wins this. He wins this. You will know who are the real Republicans and who are not. I am telling you right now, he wins this. All right. He wins this final stage on the hill. He'll be standing. You'll know who'll be standing on the hill with him. You'll know who his friends are and you'll know who are not his friends. Okay. Within two years of the next election, these guys will be gone. Pay attention who's on his side. Pay attention who's not backing him up for the next couple of weeks. Pay attention, pay close attention because that is, that is, this is, this is it. Now you're beginning to see who their, their true colors are. This is why this article I'm about to read to you is called, you know, the color war, because you're going to about to see the true face, the true masks of these people. Listen to it. All right. So. Color Revolution, its opinion piece, Biden team is following carefully scripted coup intended to take down America. This is carefully scripted. Uh, this is a carefully scripted coup intended to take down our constitutional republic and transform it into something unrecognizable to our founders, inimical to our liberties. This is from Thursday, November 5th, 2020. Okay, now, uh, William, there's a photograph here with Joe Biden removing or putting on a mask, whichever, probably removing it because he's about to talk on stage. Um, Willington, Dem Delaware, November 4th, this is after the third, Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden takes his face mask off as he arrives to speak one day after America voted in the presidential election on November 4th, 2020 in Willington, Delaware. This is by Steve Mosher. November 5th, 2020, LifeSite News. I know that some of you may be dispirited, even despairing the Trump and all of us who are support, who support him didn't achieve a decisive win on election day, but events are moving very quickly now. We need everyone to get back on their feet, back in the game. Your country needs you. The babies need you. The first thing everyone must recognize is the seriousness of the current situation. We are in the middle of what is called a color revolution. Color revolution. This is a carefully scripted coup intended to take down our constitutional republic and transform, transform it into something unrecognizable to our founders 
inimical to our liberties. This means that what just happened was not a normal election. Rather, it was a pre-scripted scam used by the revolutionaries to determine how many votes they needed to tip the balance in their favor. Once they knew the number in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, late ballots are being discovered to put their candidate in the lead. This is how the left operates in places like Venezuela. It must not be allowed to succeed here. Okay, now you know exactly what's going on. Now exa you know exactly what happened. Why suddenly certain states came in late and why all of a sudden they, 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 why they asked for mail-in ballots. They asked for the mail-in ballots because they wanted to see how they can, how can they hoodwink it and think about it. You see exactly what's happening. Now, it's it's very strange how all of a sudden, like look at it, California is a very large Democratic state. All right, if you're a Republican there, it pretty much means your vote goes into the abyss, to nowhere. But Texas came in very easily because it's run by Republicans. Notice Florida. Florida is always the one that always seems to have a lot of problems. But now, this time they came in pretty 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 well. All right, they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't do it in Florida. But then you notice Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania was the one they needed. Because you know why? Look at the ones with the larger very decisive electoral colleges. Pennsylvania has 20 electoral colleges. I think Michigan 10, that he knew he was going to get um, California. He knew he was going to get the state of Washington. He knew he was going to get his state, Delaware. And I think Oregon, he got that. that uh, Arizona, I still believe Arizona is his. I think they're just, they, they just need, they just, they just, it was shaky ground. It was shaky ground. Some areas. All right. Um, first, they thought he had Virginia. Then they took Virginia from him. And then they put it back again. And then you know it went back and forth. This is a color revolution. He's totally right about that. So we're going to look up color revolution after this article. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, this is how the left operates, operates in places like Venezuela. It must not be allowed to succeed here. The forces arrayed against us are formidable. I'm not talking here just about the Democratic Party, despite the fact that it has been hollowed out by socialists. It alone could be dealt with. Rather, I'm talking also about the globalists and their institutions, including Wall Street and the major U.S. media. And of course, I'm not talking about the Chinese communists and their many front organizations and flankies. In the United States, Joe Biden is the compromise candidate of all these groups. He's right. He's compromised. He's just, he's going to be there only for a few months. You know it. He's not mentally well. The man has been, this is his third attempt at trying to become president. He is desperate. He wants his name up there. He doesn't care even if he has it for three months, 
six months or even three weeks. If he gets sworn in as president, he gets sworn in as president and then he's going to hand it over symbolically, a white, old, withered man, all right, to Kamala Harris, a woman of color, and he's going to hand it over to her. And I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a very corrupt administration, the worst. This could also, let me tell you this. If he gets in there, if he gets in there, if he succeeds, be prepared for the possibility that we might go into a revolutionary war. I mean, a civil war. We might go into a civil war because it's going to divide the country. The country is already fractured as it is between values, between the constitution, because they're going to, they're going to do everything they can to change that constitution, even to get rid of it. Because the, the left, the left, especially the Democrats, they hate the constitution. They don't like the framework. They don't like the boundaries that the, con the constitution gives them. They want no boundaries. They're going to do everything they can to get to limit freedom of speech. Big tech, remember, Google, Facebook, uh, Twitter, they all hold on to uh, freedom of speech, freedom of expression. They're going to they're going they're going to do everything they can to change that. And what happens? You can say goodbye to all your Catholic uh, media sites. They'll they'll come after Church Militant. They'll come after uh, LifeSite News. They'll come after Taylor Marshall. They'll come after uh, uh, One Peter Five. They'll come after all of them, including you, including me as well. They'll probably, you know, silence me or take me down, censor me. See, they call they call us divisive and destructive. You can guarantee it. It's going to happen. Because they don't like it, they saw what happened. What what you know? What how things have changed in the, in this platform since it came in, in, in since it came it came on the stage of the world. They see they see how many conservatives are out there. They're watching. They know. They're listening. A lot of them are listening, and you're going to see that you're going to see the fact. Suddenly, all of them are going to be silenced. Be prepared. All right, so we know that he's been compromised. Uh, and Vigano, here it puts a link to Vigano, how, you know, America America has been, you know, America is now in the colossal electoral fraud. I did a podcast on that one. I'm probably going to do that, uh, read it again. In the same way, the chaos is not just about President Trump. It's about defeating and disarming Every last one of us who believe in the promise of America as a sovereign nation that defends life, protect liberty, and preserves equal justice before the law. As the president has said, they are really after you. I'm just in the way. And that is true. That is far more true than you realize. In order to encourage each other and organize, we must all move in onto a new media. Even Fox, aside from the uh, evening talk show hosts, can no longer be trusted. That's true. He's right about that. They're right because Fox now has been compromised. Okay. And um, LifeSite News and other news sites like Epoch Times, Breitbart, Newsmax, One America News, or Real America's Voice use Twitter, but unlike, uh, 
on 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 Paul Air as well as for the new for the for the day when um when at Jack shuts you down like he has so many others. Yeah, they, they, what he's saying here. I'll read a little better here. Uh, all the all the all the all the um, in order to encourage each other and organize, we must all move on to new media. Um, even Fox News, aside from the evening talk show host, can no longer be trusted. So you'll have to uh, depend more on life site news. And other news sites like Epoch Times, Breitbart, Newsmax, One America News, okay, or Real America's Voice, uh, use Twitter, but link up on, uh, yeah, you have to leave Twitter. Parler is probably going to be more and more important now because I don't think you can trust Twitter now. You can't trust it because these guys, they want to change it. They want to have, they want to have more power and they're going to do everything they can to stay in power by being on the side of the um the socialists they they're compromised these the, these groups um it's amazing as well as for the day when uh, at jack shuts uh, at jack shuts you down like he has so many others they're going to they're going to shut they're going to shut these they're going to shut everybody down you'll see to encourage ourselves and others keep the trump signs up and the flags flying he's right ramp back up the trump train that shocked the opposition. I look for the president and his surrogates to start holding rallies again soon. It's a great way for him to bypass the hostile media and speak directly to the American public. Yeah, Fox News is now is gonna is compromised. I, I a lot of the news outlets, a lot of the um, the people who speak there, uh, like Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity, I believe he supports Trump. Tucker Carlson. That's somebody I don't know how long he's going to last there because Tucker Carlson drew in millions and millions of viewers. Um, Lou Dobbs uh, and all the others, I don't know what's going to happen to them because clearly, clearly, I think you're going to you're going to wind up seeing uh, they're not going to get rid of them right away. I think they're going to wait to see what the Supreme Court decides. And if it doesn't go Trump's way. God help us. I think you're going to see these people gone. You're going to see them gone before you know it very, either very suddenly or very slowly. That's why you got to, listen, here's my message to you guys. A lot of us, I know, are, are struggling financially. But if you can, I think we're going to have to donate to his legal team. They're going to have to donate to the legal team because you know this is going to cost money. I think he, you know, just just him alone. Remember, lawyers cost money. So, if possible, those of you who can donate, talk to friends, donate to the the Trump legal team. Because, yeah, yeah, I know he's a rich man, but even that, that you know, still you got to remember it ha it it will show the support. The, the support going to him by coming from his own grant from his own people his own supporters will shock the, the the opposition it will shock the opposition because it's more symbolic and I think it will help a great deal because it will show the opposition how real this is 
They think they got it. They think they got it in the bag. I'm telling you, with our prayers and support and keeping up, keeping up the support, he will win. Okay, this is not about him. It's about us because we need to get keep him in there for another four years to keep that reset back. He's right about this. We have to do it. We've got to keep this up. So um, to encourage ourselves and others, keep the Trump signs up and the flags flying. Ramp back up the Trump trains that shocked the opposition. I look for the president and his surrogates to start holding rallies again soon. It's a great way for him to bypass the hostile media and speak directly to the American people. Don't listen to the voices of surrender. There will surely be a few of these from the member of the Republican establishment. Take your cues instead from people like Newt Gingrich, Tom Cotton, Alan West, Mike Huckabee, Donald Trump Jr., and of course, from the president himself. He's right about this. Don't listen to them. Fox News has already given up. They have, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked about Brett Baer. They, they totally, they totally just given up. It's like they're acting like Biden is already president. Mike Wallace is acting like there he's already president. They were at all acting like Trump has lost, that he's yesterday's news. It's all a plot. They, 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 they really are giving in. So I'm telling you guys, don't give up. And if you can, share this. Share this podcast with, with your friends. Send a link. You got to do this. This is, this is the only way that you got to keep it up. They're going to act, they're going to act like he's given up, that he's lost, that he's finished. That's the way it is. I watched it yesterday and the way they talk about um, Joe Biden already coming out to to address the nation like he's president of the United States. He's not president. Nobody has decided this yet. This is not this has to be decided by the Supreme Court. This is why they were so desperate not to have Amy Coney buried up there. So, yeah. So finally, um. Finally, and most importantly, we must pray. Try to spend some time before the Blessed Sacrament to pray before our country and our president. The late, great Father John Horden often reminded us to never under, underestimate the graces that flow from spending any amount of time in, his Eucharistic, in the Eucharistic presence of our Lord. Who knows? Maybe these reporters are being threatened if they don't do their job. I mean, it's understandable. Obviously, they got they got to think about themselves, but it's sad. It's unbelievably sad. So anyway, let's get back to this article here. <clears throat> All right. Finally, and most importantly, we must pray. Try to spend some time before the Blessed Sacrament. I know I read this, but let's read it again. The Blessed Sacrament to pray for our country and our president, the late great father John Horden. After um, John Horton often often reminded us never to underestimate the graces that flow from the from spending time um, time in his in the Eucharist presence of our Lord, uh, Father, Father Horton. I've been actually reading his uh, uh, pocket catechism. I think we need to go through that when we when we have the time. Hopefully, uh, after the, all this, in nineteen eighty six. Um, I'm sorry. 
Pray, prayer can change history. He's right. We all know about the Battle of Lepanto, but let me also share with you a much more recent example that comes from the people of uh, from the people power revolution in the Philippines, which was shared with me by Cardinal ja uh, Jamie Sin, the then Cardinal Archbishop of Manila, over dinner some years ago. In 1986, the people of Manila rose up and demanded an end to the dictatorship of Ferdinand Marcos. Colonel Sin was afraid that the demonstrations, which grew larger every day, would end in a government crackdown and much bloodshed. He called all of the convents in the country and begged the nuns to get down on their knees before the Blessed Sacrament and pray for the divine intervention. Raise your arms to heaven as Moses did and pray for victory, he told them. Pray that Marcos will step down and democracy restored. The key moment came when the demonstrators approached the presidential palace. The palace guard was lined up in a firing position. Okay, the key moment came when the demonstrators approached the presidential palace. The palace guards were lined up in a firing position. Just as the commander was about to give the order to fire, a beautiful lady appeared in the sky before the soldiers. They all simultaneously took their fingers off the triggers. The massacre was averted and Marcos fled. In order to defeat those who would steal not just an election, but our very country, we must likewise storm heaven. That's uh, that's very beautiful. First time I've heard of this one, but I believe him. I believe I believe the bishop. Steve W. Mosher is the president of the Population Research Institute and author of Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is a New Threat to the World Order. Okay, now I want to go back to the beginning of this article. All right, I want to go back uh, and I want to, I'm going to click on the link here, Color Revolution. I want you guys to pay close attention. This is actually could be very scary. Choose freedom. Petition to the president. End the violence now. Okay, let's see here. Search results for color revolution. All right. Let's see here. Let me see. Hopefully we get... This is a... A link here. Your strongest weapon is your vote. Let's see. Okay, about color revolution. All right, here it is. Rich Higgins, August 28th, 2020. It's earlier. The current domestic political situation has deco uh, decomposed into a national security issue. The 2020 political cycle is being... Um, utilize the mask, the extremely hostile revolutionary nature of these events, even the violence is distraction. Current intelligence indicates that a siege of the White House may initiate on or about September 17th and, the, and culminate in November 3rd election. This is very interesting. 
November 3rd election crisis that carries on past the election. The revolutionary operational design has three key components that, mu that must be factored in. First, the revolutionaries must control the media. Bingo, they did that. And the social media communications environment. Second, the revolutionaries must maintain control of a portion of the bureaucracy. All right? I think they did that too. Finally, the Republican Party and GOP establishments must be under the positive control of the revolutionary, revolutionary narrative and remain passive. That's happening. It's actually happened. They're becoming passive. If the revolutionaries can succeed in controlling these three components, their operation, the, the components of the, of the operation, they can be successful. Color revolutions utilize information warfare tactics to create a crisis situation in which institutional leaders are placed under the tremendous political pressure to support the revolutionary objective. The control of the media and other communications is used by revolutionaries or their supporters to amplify crisis. Okay, uh, election fraud, solutions selected by the revolutionaries remove Trump. These narratives are amplified by the media to silence and control GOP opponents and compel election by bureaucrats. The history of sabotage and subversion directed against the campaign transition and administration during the first term should serve as a warning. Numerous senior officials of the Democratic Party are openly calling for revolution and intended to fabricate a constitutional crisis around the election and parallel, parallel street mobilization to furtherance of their efforts. This plan includes the utilization of various revolutionary actors that have been observed conducting operational and inf informational preparation of the environment for the past seven months. There are two key vulnerabilities to color revolutions, prior knowledge and united, united opposition. Actions one, the public and the institutional leader must be made aware of these efforts in a coherent manner. Two, MAGA, Republicans and all Americans must unite to oppose their agenda. Wow, I it's unbelievable. This 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 is very 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 real. They, they, this this was written August 28th, 2020. What I'm looking at is a photograph here and you see Antifa. There's a person there with a, a shield with a hammer of sigil. Looks like a girl, a woman, and she's got the mask on. You know how all these people in Antifa look. They got like those hipster sneakers on and everything. You know, they dress all in black. You can't tell them apart. This is, this is, he, this person wrote it was correct. This is, this is what's happening. So people, those of you out there, if anybody's listening, share it, share this podcast with your friend. I'm going to do another podcast about this, 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 this particular thing. And I want to look, I want to look into this a little bit more. Unbelievable. You know what? I think maybe, um, I think another podcast episode about this is needed.
I think I'm going to have to do another one because this is really serious. Wow. All right, folks, pray your rosary. You got to pray your rosary. You got to pray your rosary. Okay? This is important. You got to at least pray that rosary. Talk to your friends. We can win this. It's not impossible. Don't give up. Don't give up. You got to you got to pray the rosary. If anybody's out there, you have to. I'm going to have to put a bunch of podcasts out to encourage people because this is important. All right. This this here is not going to just affect us. It's going to affect everybody around the world. Okay. The so-called Great Reset and the Color Revolution, it's very important. I'm going to have to read Vigano's article again, and I'm going to have to read this. I'm going to have to, have to actually read this first and then read Vigano's article. So I'm going to sign out. Um, I know I didn't begin with a prayer, but let's end it with uh, a Hail Mary in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God bless, folks.